Life is hectic, so wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with Factor's chef-crafted and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 options a week, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more, they've got a variety that fits your lifestyle. Factor has restaurant-quality meals ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. They also have various easy options for the entire day, from breakfast to midday bites, smoothies, and more. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is a nutritious and delicious experience, and it won't break the bank. You can customize your meals by choosing 6 to 18 per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule deliveries anytime to fit your schedule. Factor meals are 100% hassle-free, giving you more time for what matters. Head to factormeals.com slash otherside50 and use the code otherside50 to get 50% off. That's code otherside50 at factormeals.com for 50% off your delicious, hassle-free meals. Uh, my experience was on the evening of May 2001. At that time, I was living in North Carolina in the USA. I don't like going into how I died. I like talking about what happened when I died because I ended up, in my own opinion, I think I went to heaven for five years. It all started, I went to the toilet at about two o'clock in the morning, and that's where I passed out and died. So I was in the toilet, and I found myself floating in the living room near the front door. I watched as my partner at the time went to the front door, he let in the ambulance and a couple of other people who I didn't know who they were came into the house and I watched them run through into where my body was back in the toilet area. So they virtually ran across here because I was floating here and they went down into where I was in the toilet. Over the next 45 minutes, which is documented in my medical file, so I like showing evidence to support this, here are my medical files from the North Carolina hospital where I was in a coma. I found myself floating for 45 minutes, which is documented. In my medical reports, they say that I was clinically dead for 14 minutes, which was from the time that the first ambulances went, ambulance officers or paramedics went through into where I was. So they found me lifeless and blue. And it was when the second paramedics turned up, which is in my report as the A advanced life support crew, they turned up. And it was when they actually got a heartbeat again. That was 14 minutes. But we don't know how long I was clinically dead because it was two o'clock in the morning. And when I was found, I was already deceased. So it could have been a lot longer than that. So I found myself in the living room watching all these people going through, talking about things which I was, I could hear it, I could remember it, but it was totally peaceful. I was looking down because I was up near the ceiling and I had no feet and it didn't surprise me. It was normal not to have feet. I didn't get scared at all. I wasn't scared about what was happening in the house. I didn't have any thoughts of who's paying the bills, who's going to look after the dogs, who's going to do this. It was very 
natural progression, if I can call it that. So I watched them 45 minutes later, wheeled me out of the house, because I watched them wheel me out of the house, and I looked at myself and there was no connection to that body at all. It could have been any other person that they were wheeling out of the house. So they all left the house, they shut and locked the front door. And that's when it got weird. <laughs> that's when it started getting really weird. Because the door opened, even though there was no one in the house, and in through the front door came all these dark blue orbs. They were hovering and moving forward at the same time. And they came to where I was, so they knew I was there. They came and they were, it was almost like they were hovering around me, just watching me. They were obviously interacting with each other because they didn't bump into each other. And there was, a, I, I just knew that they were communicating together. They had electricity coming out of them like energy. And in the middle of this brilliant blue was pure white, pure white. I wasn't scared of these beings. They did not appear as hostile at all. And they were around me for a few minutes, so I was you know, I could definitively remember what they look like. And then it was just like, boom, they all went back out through the front door and the front door closed. Yet there was no humans there to lock the front door. Then I got a tap on my shoulder, who I assume is this woman who is always now with me. She said, you've now got to go. And I thought, well, where are we going? And I call this the fog stage. It was only a few seconds and everything went dark like I closed my eyes. And when I opened my eyes, even though I could not feel myself moving at all, I found myself in a field of flowers. It was a gentle sloping field with millions of flowers. Over in the far distance, I could see mountains that were... 10 times the size of Everest. See, buildings that were 10 times the size of what they're now building in Dubai. I could see thousands of people happy, absolutely thriving in their own energy fields. As I looked down to the flowers below my feet, because I now had feet, the flowers knew that I was there and I knew that they knew because we were communicating through a oneness and they were moving gently to the side so I would not squash them. Even though I had no weight of a body, they were giving me that respect because they understood that I still felt like I had a body at this point. So it was understood as a comprehension that in this area, everything was one and that everything understood everything about everything else. And again, just like the orbs, they had energy emitting from the edges of their petals. So there was energy coming out of the edge. I can't explain the colours because the colours were so different to what we have here on Earth. You know, we only see 5% of the colour spectrum. So I'm walking around in this field and I'm observing people and everybody is happy. 
Everyone is laughing, giggling. And I observed bears turning into little boys. And I observed women from like medieval women instantly transforming into 1960 hippies. So it was clear to me that what we thought we would become, what we think we create. If I wanted to have long, straight black hair, instantly, because that was my intention of what I wanted, I could create it. If I thought I wanted to be on the mountains, I was instantly there. Or if I wanted to climb the mountains, I would be at the bottom of the mountains, climbing up if I so wished that. The whole period of time that I was in this place, the music played. The music was like a repetitive chant over and over. And it was calming, it was soothing. But it didn't come from anywhere. It was emitting from everything. It even came out of me at this point. And I knew that if I didn't like the music, I could turn a channel and create something else, like a playlist of music. How amazing was that? So we do and we create what we want in this space. So I estimate by distance, because there's no time or space there, I followed this lady down through cobbled pathways, through the valleys, along past lakes and rivers. We walked up through the mountains and then down into this beautiful city. How distanced was that? I estimate thousands of kilometers. And as I walked, I walked probably three to five kilometers per hour. So that there was months in our time of walking just behind her. At one point when I was really concentrating on her, I became her. I turned around and there's Linda standing behind me as this other woman. And I knew every life she had ever lived. I knew every life lesson she had ever learnt. And I also knew the ones that she still had to reincarnate and learn again. So it's this absolute understanding of where each individual soul is connected to and what part these souls have in the overall consciousness of where, what, or how heaven exists. Because everything there was energy. Even the buildings, they, you know, we're talking bricks and mortar that are 35 feet long, and they span thousands and thousands of feet into the sky. And as I walked into buildings, there was no elevators, because we don't need elevators, <laughs> but there were stairs. And I explained that the stairs are there for those who want to go from floor to floor the old-fashioned way, like humans do. Or we just think, I want to be on the 12th floor, and instantly we're there. So there's always options. There's always possibilities there, because what we think, we create. So I estimate all up in this heaven place I would have been there for probably a year and a half, 
maybe more. I would definitely not go less because I was there for so long intermingling, being and observing with other people. Then I get this tap on my shoulder again. I turn around and I can't see her, but I know it's female because I can sense it. And I think it's her again. And now I find myself at the doorway of a magnificent cathedral where talking spires that go up thousands of feet. And as I walked in the door and I'm looking down this corridor, on the sides there are pews, like in a church, and the chair themselves are 30 foot long and it's one piece of timber that made that whole chair. The floor is made of, it's like a sandstone, but the bricks, 60 foot square from one piece of sandstone. So it's immaculate, opulent, and grand is the building materials. You know, here on earth, a tree may be a foot wide, so the planks are only a couple of inches wide. But imagine planks that are 16 foot wide and 300 foot long. That just shows you how big these were. Stone and wood also melded together like a melt to create the most articulate architecture possible. Beautiful. So as I'm walking down this corridor and I'm admiring the stained glass windows that just beam up forever, ever, because they're so massive, I come to the top and I'm presented with who I call the big three. The energy, because they were not physical beings, they had energy swirling left and right, as well as right to left at the same time. The energy was coming up from the ground and going like a waterfall into their heads. I stood in front of them and they showed me this box and the energy coming out of this box. And I don't know which one of them said it, but I heard, we are not here to judge. And instantly I knew that I had to open the box and process and heal all the memories that were inside it. So as I opened the box and I looked inside, there was no walls or floors in this box. It was eternity. And there were thousands and thousands, millions of little round orbs of energy. And inside each one was a little video with a memory that I had, or should I say an action, that I had done in my life. So I knew that I had to pull out one of these orbs or bubbles, whatever you want to call them, of energy, and I had to process the memory that was inside it. And inside was like a little TV screen. And the one I like talking about is me when I was a baby and I was pulling the tail of my grandmother's cat. So first of all, I watched the whole scene outplay like I was a stranger. I was totally separate to this scene. And I watched the little girl and the cat interact. Then I became Linda. 
Linda as a baby. And I saw her thoughts, I saw, I felt her heart beating again. And I could feel how she was feeling. I could feel her thoughts like they were my own again. And I could feel her intentions, her motives or her thoughts of what she was going to do to the cat. As she pulled the tail of the cat, the cat started meowing and hissing and it got very upset because obviously it hurt. I firmly believe that Linda had done this previously and had been told not to do it, but as a baby we don't understand these things, right? So I pulled the tail, or she, should I say, pulled the tail of the baby's cat, um, the tail of the cat. Then I had out into me and I thought, why did I do that as a child? So I'm now going through that memory on the perspective of who Linda was as a child and I processed and thought, analysed, psychoanalyzed all the reasons why I was pulling that cat's tail. Then I had to become the cat and here I am now feeling my four legs. I could feel the balance of my tail. I could feel my ears and that they prick. You know how ears prick on an animal when they hear a noise? I could hear little lizards in the ground. I could feel the wind and I, my whole vision changed because now I'm a cat seeing out through a cat's eyes. And now I've got this person near me, this human, and I'm I'm petrified because she's holding my tail and when she pulls the tail, it, the pain goes up my back and it, it's excruciating pain. So of course I start hissing and I'm, and I'm getting my claws out. Then I'm back outside again of this bubble. So I'm now looking at the bubble again with this vision inside it. And then that's when the tears started and I'm bawling these tears all over the ground. And I knew then that these pews were not for witnesses. They weren't there for other people to watch me going through this process. They were for me to sit down on and think, oh my God, what did I do to that cat? Now that I've seen my actions, and then I saw it from the perspective of the, of the cat. So this memory in Earth time could have been five seconds long but to heal it to process it and then to realign that energy through karma back into positive energy that's what took so long where we psychoanalyze we judge ourselves and it is tenfold when I felt that pain from the cat it was tenfold, just like in the Bible. So I'm sitting on these long pews with my head in my hands thinking, why did I do that? And the bawling tears of coming out because of the pain that the cat felt. And I thought, I didn't know anything else at that point. I was only a kid. I didn't know the consequences of my actions. I didn't know that ripple effect of our actions causing ripples to others. I didn't realize that that cat was a pivotal part of that memory where I had to heal that cat's pain. 
and say sorry and ask forgiveness to myself for what I did to the cat. I didn't have to ask the cat for forgiveness because the cat's not here where I was in this church. The only person who I had to judge was me. The only person who I had to forgive ultimately was me. And then as I found that forgiveness and I worked it out probably half an hour, 45 minutes later, that memory in my hand simply disappeared. It no longer existed because it's now pure energy again and no longer valid in heaven. So then I looked down and all these thousands and millions of tears that I'd cried, all that water was gone. There was no water on the floor anymore. And I knew that I had to get up, go back to that box and find another orb with another memory and heal it as well. So one thing I do want people to know is now when I think about my grandmother's cat, I don't remember it now as a five-year-old anymore. My memory of that cat only exists now because I healed it when I saw it in heaven. So as I went through that box, I estimate I processed over 5,000 memories. And if they, each of those were 45 minutes to an hour and a half long, depending on how severe they were, how long was I there for? I estimate a year and a half that I was in my life review, where processing memory after memory after memory, some of them were good, beautiful memories where I smile at a stranger and that gratitude is tenfold and I think oh my god now I've got all these tears again welting down my face I'm so excited because I made that person so happy but then there were some memories that I thought oh my gosh I don't really want to process that one today but we have to process all of them until that box is empty so I went through probably five eight thousand memories And those memories no longer exist because I healed the karma associated to them. Look, it makes me cry thinking about it. It's beautiful. Because ultimately, when we heal something that we've hurt somebody else or we've hurt ourselves, it is beautiful. It's gorgeous. Because when we forgive, we ultimately discover love, healing creates that love so then as I process probably five to six thousand or eight thousand I don't know thousands of these memories tap on my shoulder again and I knew it was time to go so this time (laughs) back into this fog stage where I close my eyes and I open up and I'm in a different location again I'm now in this room of white imagine white like white white like paper white No walls, no ceiling, no windows. I look down and I can see my feet, but there's no floor below my feet because it's just pure white. Far off in the distance, I see somebody, one person. And as she walks towards me, way over in the distance, as she's walking towards me, she gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger as she comes closer to me. The first thing she says to me is, what are you doing here? Huh, you're not supposed to be here. 
And I'm like, oh, my God, this has been, I've just been all that time in heaven where everyone's so nice. Who's this woman, like, really not being so nice to me? I said, I don't know where I am. How, what's going on? She said, oh. So she said it. Oh, there's no one supposed to be here. I said, well, I don't understand. Where am I? She says, well, you've got to go back. And I said, how can I go back if I don't know where I am? And I don't know how to get back to where I was. She says, oh. She's so frustrated with me for about the minutes of time that I estimate. And she calms down and she's patting down her dress. She says, Linda, you're not supposed to be here. I said, well, tell me why. What's going on? I don't know where I am. She says, Linda, I'm your great, 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 great grandmother. My name's Karina. Then she went into this very long, extensive conversation where she told me all about who she was, where she was born, where she lived, years she lived. She told me about children she had, her husband she had, how they built the house they had, how she built an axe out of the perfect tree to make an axe, how to make machinery to take down to the creek to wash clothes. Months, I'd say, these conversations went. You know, if we're on the phone for an hour talking to a friend and you get off that phone call and you think, wow, this is what we spoke to for that hour, multiply that by a couple of thousand, easy. Because it was so in-depth, her telling me all about her life. Then she started telling me about my life from 2001 onwards. She said, you must return to the land from where you're from. For in your month of September, you cannot stay in the place where you are now. And when we look at where I was, I was in North Carolina, America, in May 2001. In September was 9-11. And part of the reason why I had this event was my husband at the time did not want to do my immigration. And after 9-11, they were rounding up all the illegal immigrants. I would have been in that category if I'd stayed there. So she told me I had to return to Australia before September. So I came back to Australia at the end of June, May, June. It was about six weeks later that I came back to Australia. She said, you will start working with the almighty force, those in authority who judge others. So she spoke old school, which is the police, by the way. She said, you will work there for 10 years. And I did work as an administration officer for the police from 2002 till 2012. She said I'd need two years off to deal with the emotional stress that I would get from that job. And I'm open. I got PTSD quite significantly from what I saw in my job with the police. So I did need two years off. Then she said you'll be working as a person who teaches others how to care for others. You will be the first responder at an event when someone is hurt. And to me, that's a first aid trainer. And I didn't apply for the job. It was actually offered to me. And I was a first aid trainer from 2015 till 2017, just as she said, for two years. Exactly two years. Three days difference, by the way. March, I'm sorry, it was January 2015 until January 2017. And then she told me about my life forward. She said, you must remember this date. For on this date is the day you will conceive your daughter. 
and your daughter will be this. So I always remembered that date in the forward year of 2005. And my daughter is now 16 years old. She wants to go into <laughs> astronautics. She wants to build and design spacecraft for NASA. Wow. So my daughter is a very important part of their plan, ultimately. So she said to me back in 2001, she said, for the next 20 years, you must go through the learning of your lessons. And I look at the police in particular, where the police must enforce their rules and they judge by what a person does on that day. Yes, we all agree to that. Whereas I learned not to judge a person by what they do on the day, to judge their heart and their soul in that perspective of what I saw in the life review, where good things happen to bad people, but also bad things do happen to good people. So I now educate and I develop people psychically. I woke up with virtually every psychic ability. I'm a high intuitive, I'm an empath, I dream premonition dreams. I've dreamt lotto numbers six times since then, but waking around, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night trying to get a pen and paper, 14, 16, 2, 43, 6, what are those numbers again? Oh, there's a six in there. I don't remember to write them down when I wake up, but then you check the numbers and there they are. So I do have premonition dreams. And it was only about a year ago that I met the lady who apparently has been with me all my life and helping me. So I do like showing her because she appeared one day at the pool and she said, are you ready? And I said, ready for what? And it was about a week later that I started seeing spirit guides. I've seen ghosts and spirits my whole life, but now that I see spirit guides and they talk to me, this just blows my mind. So here she is the day that she appeared at the pool. I was swimming with my daughter and I heard my name, Linda. So I turned around, there was no one around. But as I turned further into the lane, because hello, look, we're at the pool. She was in the pool, but there was no water around her. So it was all energy and she was pointing at me. Are you ready? Because you're going to start a new gift. So I know that we can upgrade our gifts. So they told me all the books that they want me to write. So I'm happy to tell people about my books. The first one I wrote was Five Years in Heaven. There's my book. I use the, the big three, as I call them. I like showing the scars that I've got from ICU. I've got one here under my armpit where they had a heart monitor going into me while I was in a coma. I'm so humbled. I am so blessed that I can now give that hope, understanding, and most of all, trust to people that my five years, I say, I spent in heaven, and it makes me cry just how enormous the love is there and how much we are so connected to everybody else. So I started a YouTube channel about a year ago. It was called Dr. Linda Kramer, and it's on YouTube. And I love answering questions people have about heaven. Why are chairs in there. Why do we need chairs? Because we no longer have a physical body. So I like explaining what I saw in my own personal experience, as well as what other people saw in theirs. 
So I like looking for those similarities, the commonalities, the evidence that supports this is real. And I share that to others. You know, life is hard. Life is getting harder by the day. And the more that we put hope into our angels, our deities or ascended masters, whatever you wish to call them, because where I was there, they don't have names. A name to me is a title that we give someone, but they don't need that title because they are, simply are everything. So it's okay to just call out to them ask for your guides to come in with you because now that i see spirit guides they're always with us my spirit guide is a huge white owl if he he came flying in one day and i could hear the whooshing of his wings and he landed on the back of my chair and he just sits there preening his feathers as i do my videos and i can see him on the screen and i think yes it's saying i'm on the my right path so i've got four books that I'm, and I've, I've got about nine I want to, they want me to write. So my first one is Heaven, Five Years in Heaven. The second one I wrote was Ghosts Explained, which tells why ghosts stay here, because some people don't go to heaven. Animals sometimes don't go to heaven. So why do they stay here? So I explained that. Then I wrote Psychics Explained, how we get our psychic abilities, what they all are, how to get rid of abilities if we don't want them, how to connect there's some development in there as well. Then I wrote Spirit Guides and Life Paths Explained. So that's the fourth one I've got. And that one also has photos of Spirit Guides that I've drawn because I love drawing people their Spirit Guides. And some of the affirmations that I get, the confirmations are amazing when people say, oh my God, how did you know that? That's exactly who I am. One spirit guide one day was doing this with her machinery and that the lady said, oh my God, that's actually what I do for my job. I'm, I, I press clothes in this huge press. So how did you know that's what I use? And I said, well, it's not me, it's from them. So I don't hold names to them, angels, archangels, spirit guides, guardian angels, whoever. But as long as we know that they're there, they are constantly around us. And the more that we tune into our entirety of our soul's being and we align our energy frequency and currency through our conscious awareness to be in that plane of emotional energy emotional energy the love of heaven we can create that here on earth we can be angelic and it all starts within us. That's my purpose now. Educating people how to be the best we are. How to get through our mental health issues. Because that lowers down our vibrations. And ultimately, to be the best version of this life. Incorporating our life lessons that we learn along the way. So when we go back to heaven and we're standing in front of the big three processing our own memories, it's a great experience. Thank you so much for watching me. I'm on YouTube, Dr. Linda Kramer, and my website's lindaray.info, which I hope the, um, the link is below. But thank you so much for watching me because 
what I do now is not possible without those who watch me, those who want to learn, and those who trust that they can and will be their full potential. Thank you so much. Yeah.